Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, here we are, and I have a title for what I'd like to talk about today that may seem a little strange. I don't think you've probably heard about it before, and it says this, no secrets in Christ's church. I'm not talking about a secret you might have with your friend or something. I'm talking about there is no secrets in the faith. Now, in the world of Christendom, the secrets, the mysteries, and the mysticism is alive and well. I don't know how many of you have had any experience with the so-called mysteries of the faith that are known only by certain individuals. But believe me, there's a lot of those individuals and a lot of mysteries, so-called, <coughs> that they purport to have. I, on the other hand, don't believe a word of it because the scriptures and and of course the scriptures being the apostles doctrine the apostles teaching and the things of god make it very clear that the mystery is revealed and hopefully by the end of this lesson today you're going to you're going to understand that the mystery is revealed and if someone tells you they have a secret they don't but we can, uh, well, I won't get into the personalities that might cause such things, but our text today is going to be in Ephesians, the second chapter. I'd like to have, have time to go over Ephesians. I think uh, David has had a class on Ephesians in here in the years past. Um, it's, uh, of course, a very doctrinal letter to the church in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul and directed by the Spirit of God. But here i got a question for you this morning. And this is it. What's really important to every Christian? What's really important? Now, I know we're going to have a lot of various answers, and, and that's, that's good because there's a lot of good answers to that question. Lots of good answers. You know, um, I guess I, I've heard many people say, well, uh, the love of God is very important. Well, it is. So, eternal salvation. Eternal salvation. Very important. You know, we, we want to know what's going to happen. We, we feel, and, and this is, Christianity brings us to the idea of being thankful for all of these important things. Now, as we think about that, though, there's other important things. And I have one that I, I think is important that I don't want to be dealt with or don't want to be used. And what's important to me 
is that there is not something that's being kept from me by some self-appointed ruling group within the church, Christianity in general, whatever it may be, whatever organization. I don't like that thought. I've heard it a lot. I know a lot of people that feel that it's true. I know that it's not the case. It's not the case. There's nobody that knows. Brethren, what's in this book is what God has left us to know about him and everything else. You got the book. I've got the book. And the people with the secrets are telling a lot. And that's the long and short of it. But many, many people are enslaved in these so-called denominational Christianity groups, if truly it is even Christianity. They live in this condition all their lives. It's an evil act perforated against them. It causes separation between the so-called leaders and the followers, or however they want to phrase it the clergy and the laity, whatever genre that they might be in, they have different names for it. It causes separation. That separation does not exist here. None. Now we have separation when the church was born of the apostles of Christ were speaking on his behalf, the things that the will of the Lord. We have grammar separating what the apostles were saying from what the people were being taught and hearing. That's appropriate, but there's there's an issue there, and they never held themselves separate uh, during their lifetime. That's not the case today, of course. But what I shared with you here is a very, I think it's a negative thought. I don't like thinking about that. I know it's true. I know a lot of people are living under this cloud Um, it's important to fight against such such soul-stealing groups if we have an opportunity, and I promise I will. We should speak against that when we hear it. But there's there's more of a positive note, I think. Um, Now let me suggest today on a positive note that understanding the faith, and I say the faith, not understanding your faith, but understanding the faith. We know what the faith is. It's all that God has given us concerning salvation, concerning his work towards us, the faith. We have faith, personal faith in the faith. Understanding the faith and Christ's church, I want to understand it the way the apostles of Christ established it and how they understood it themselves is very primary and important to me. And I think it should be for everyone. I believe that this is very important. I believe it's eternally important, if I can stretch out that feeling a little bit. It means a lot to me now. It'll mean a lot to me when I leave this this earth. I'm convinced this morning that the problem today and the problem many centuries ago, all the way back to the beginnings of the new covenant, the beginnings of the church, when the Jews were hearing the gospel of Christ for the first time and then the Gentiles, 
I believe there was a problem then and there is now in how the Christians viewed and understood the place and the authority and the authority of Christ's apostles. They had a place, they had a work, a ministry, and they had authority, but that was authority delegated by the Lord himself. Not carte blanche. I think there's three views of the apostles, and this is the root of our problems even today and has been in the past. And it's the reason why we got folks saying they know a secret. Now, the, the first one is, just real quickly, the apostles have been venerated as saints. Well, we know that all Christians are saints in God's eyes, children of God. But the apostles have been venerated as saints within the body of Christ. They've been elevated to a position that they never thought nor taught existed. But I think not only is it unscriptural, but the whole issue of that is the apostles being, well, you can put their name on the building. I've seen a lot of apostles' names on a lot of buildings, and I'll tell you one thing, I know inside of that building, what the, that apostle taught is not even being mentioned. It comes from somewhere else, another authority. So it's ceremonial. It's a, uh, I forget, a namesake. Uh, and and it, it's, not, it's not relevant. And it's not true. The apostles were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ the same way that you and I are. They obeyed the gospel, they believed, and they continued until the end of their lives. So the first one is they're venerated. The second one is they've been marginalized. In other words, they've been doubted. The things that they wrote in scriptures are being doubted as, as incorrect, immature, uh, exaggerations, or maybe they're just ignored, and, and that's a worldly view. They're ignored. But this marginalization, especially the doubting and incorrect portion, that, that comes from the scholarly lofty heights of religionists across the world. How can a man <coughs> that earns his living as a professor in an institute of theology, say that Jesus got it wrong there, or the apostles didn't understand, or they were wrong there. You know, and who's wrong? I know who's wrong. They're wrong. Just because they don't understand what it says, they don't care to go deeper, they don't care to remove the, the poisonous uh, concepts that they've been taught, out of their life, and put in the truth, just because of that, they'll tell you that Jesus got it wrong in Matthew 24, 34. He got it wrong. They even try to change one word to another word and try to tell you it means the same thing. And the word is generation. They try to tell you it means race. Well, it can't mean race. The Bible defines race as one race, one race of man. Not, not just a Jewish race and a Gentile race and a, uh, whatever races you may want to add into that, that nonsense. That's being marginalized. 
That's also incorrect. But the third is that there are many that accept the apostles as speaking from the very mind of Christ himself. <clears throat> That's what they taught, that they had the mind of Christ. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, the very last verse in that chapter, the apostle Paul says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who shall instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who's the we there? Well, the we goes all the way back to the apostles. We have the mind of Christ. The apostles had the mind of Christ. When did they get it? On the day of Pentecost. The apostles were working under the mind, the authority of Christ living in them. I don't. I live in Christ, but I have the scriptures. I have the revelation of God in my hands. I don't have an excuse. And by the way, um, Alex, can you uh, put 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2 up there? When it comes to preaching, teaching, of the leaders of churches, the, the principles of that are, are very clear. Chapter 2 in 2 Timothy. Thou therefore, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That formula is the only one we have. It's right there. You know who the letter was to? The evangelist. Timothy. This was his instructions from the Apostle Paul. The things which thou hast heard from me. There's our material. That's an evangelist material. If you want to bring in the college stories and the other things, it's extra biblical, okay? It has no meaning. Your experiences have no meaning on the truth of Scripture. Your emotions don't. That does. Who shall be able to teach others also? That's the process. If we don't have men doing this, teaching the things that they heard from the apostles, we won't have the others that follow. As David said, that, that one's free. And we'll move on. I want to get into the text that I've, I've, I've chosen. But we need to understand we have to live by the apostolic principles and teaching and authority of the apostles of Christ in the church that bears his name. So, the text I have chosen to show clearly that there are no secrets in Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, in Christ's church is Ephesians 2.10 through 3.6. And I'm, we're going to read it and we're going to comment briefly on it. But within these, this passage, and I'm kind of taking it out, I'm breaking into a dissertation um, that is chapter 2 and 3, and chapter 1 is another whole 
dissertation. But these, but chapter two refers back to it in a, in a couple of ways. This is the apostles' doctrine. This is what it says. Um, I started with verse 10. I could have started with 11, but I started with 10 because um, we, we, need to, um, we need to understand it. But here, here's the problem, the idea of secrets. Some people think that uh, the secrets that the clergy so, uh, talks about are the things that they don't know. They haven't learned yet. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, now, the fact that many Christians are ignorant to what the apostles taught is not the way that the Lord intended us to live within the church. He intends us to be uh, to study to show ourselves approved and, and the things of this sort to be pleasing to God. And this is not being done in, in a large part, but it should be. See if you can detect as we read from these scriptures the the mystery. You can read from the screen. I, I have my, my text here, and we have it in, uh, I'm reading from the American Standard Version. It's a little bit King Jamesy, but at least uh, it, it's not as bad as, <laughs> as the Young's literal version that I, I like, but I realize to read it in public just is difficult because we're not living in the 1880s. Okay, so our vernacular has changed just a little bit, even though it'd be nice to, to talk like that once again. But in verse 10 of chapter 2, it's going to take us back to the first chapter. Indeed, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Now, right off the bat, I'm going to have to tell you that that is referring back to Ephesians 1, 4, where it says, according, according as he has chosen us in him, the us there being the apostles, not every Christian, this is the apostles, and I don't have time to get into the whole text, but within the first 13 or 14 verses, it makes clear that the us and the we here is referring to the apostles, those that were... Um, uh, that pre-trusted in Christ before the, even the church was born. According as he has chosen us in him before the world's foundation, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having marked us out beforehand for adoption through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And on it goes. Speaking of the apostles uh, there, verse 10 is also referring to the apostles that the good works that, that they do, God had prepared for them to do beforehand. Now, does that mean that we don't have that same circumstance ourselves? Well, I think we can. But here, speaking of the apostles, why? How do I know? Because the we, the we is in the first person plural. It's not in second person plural. It can't be me. It has to be them. It can't be the church in Ephesus. It has to be the apostles. And so we go on. Verse 11. Now remember, see if you can detect the mystery talked about here. Revealed. A great mystery revealed to mankind. Wherefore, remember that once you, now he's talking about the people in Ephesus, in the church, 
the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision, that is, the Greeks were being called uncircumcised by the Jews, in the flesh made by hand. It's not hands, by the way, it's hand. Even though there's an S on there, that's not in the text. Verse 12, that you were at that time separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. See, this is a real history lesson for them, isn't it? And strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's not a good place to live. But the people in Ephesus lived there. But now, now in the present time, as this letter arrives, and before when you learned of, of Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you that were once far off are made nigh or close in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. By the way, who is it we have peace with? See, peace isn't he is our rest or he is our comfort or, or, or he is our hiding place. You see, our, the peace that Christ brings to us is the peace we need between ourselves and God. See, that's who the peace is with. Because if we don't obey the gospel, we are an enemy of God. We're at war with God day after day, year after year. And you know who's going to win that war? It won't be you. It won't be those that are his enemy. So we have peace through Christ. I love that. By the way, we're going to get a little inkling of the mystery here. For he is our peace, who made both one and broke down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, Christ abolished in his flesh the enemy, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances that he might create in himself of the two, one new man, so making peace. Uh, that's the mystery revealed right there, but not really explained, okay? And might reconcile them both in one body unto God through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Now, who are the two? There's two there. Well, I'm going to tell you who the two is. I think you know. It's the Jews and the Gentiles. God's plan, his, God's grace, as we'll get into, God's grace is, is the plan of forgiveness, the terms of pardon. It's for the Jews and it became for the Gentiles. He came and preached peace. Uh, in verse 17, he came and preached peace to you that were afar off and peace to them that were nigh. For through him, we both have the access, not our access. The Greek says the access. In other words, there's only one access to the spirit. It's not ours. It's the. It's the only one. It's the original one. It can't be copied. It can't be counterfeited. 
It's the access in one spirit unto the Father. We're talking about access to God in a spiritual way. Verse 19, so then, you are no more strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens of the saints, not not with the saints, of the saints, and of the household of God being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom several, and actually in whom the whole building fitted, framed together, groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God in spirit. Not in the spirit, but in spirit. Now, the cornerstone talked about in verse 20. The foundation is built upon the apostles and prophets. So shouldn't our church be built upon the apostles and prophets? (laughs) Of course it, it would. There would be nowhere, nowhere else. But Jesus is the cornerstone. And if you know about um, the ancient concept of building, the cornerstone is more than just a big rock in the corner to hold a few things together. A cornerstone is put in and it, may, it sets the direction, the size, and the shape of the building. The cornerstone. So that's who Jesus is, you see. He's the one that sets the direction, sets the shape, sets the tone. Everything about the church is the will of Christ. Nothing additional is needed, nothing to be taken away. Christ Jesus is the head of his church. And he will remain there um, in that position. So, let's move on, because we're getting short of time. Now, we started late, so I'm going to take those minutes on the other end. You know, I don't know why it is. I'm always saying stuff like that. But it it won't be burdensome, and it won't be tedious. But in Chapter 3, we got six verses. By the way, in the last verse there in Chapter 2, God lives in the temple. God lives in the church. I have a sermon that that says, where is God? And a lot of people will say, I'd like to find God. Where is God? Is he, well, if you want to find God, you need to find his church. If you find his church, you'll find him. He's looking for you, but he wants you to to do the looking. Matter of fact, he demands that you do the seeking. You must seek him. And, and I believe that's good advice. So the church is his habitation in a spiritual way. Chapter 3, Gentiles or nations. And here, this is a word here. I think our, our scripture, uh, some of our versions read different. But in uh, verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, in behalf of you Gentiles, 
If so be that you have heard of the dispensation of that grace of God, which was given to me towards you, how that by revelation, or the word actually should be through, or according to, you see how that is? Okay. How that kata? That that is that's not really through. That's according to in the Greek. Kata is according to. Uh the gospel according to John, kata. So it's how that according to revelation. Paul's saying I had a revelation from Christ according to Revelation, was made known unto me the mystery that I wrote before in a few words. So what's the mystery he's talking about? The mystery he's talking about is is, uh, the two becoming one. Matter of fact, we can take it all the way back to um, the first chapter and verse 9, talking about the apostles. Having made known to us the apostles, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself for the administration of the fullness of time to head up all things in Christ and the things in the heavens and the things upon the earth in him. That's the mystery. There's no secrets. Let's move on. Whereby, when you read, you can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ. Doesn't that make it clear, folks, that as a Christian person in the church, that we can read the apostles' words and understand the mystery that he's talking about, which in other generations was not made known unto the sons of men, as it hath now been revealed unto his who? Holy apostles and prophets in spirit, not in the spirit, in spirit, to wit that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, You know, there's one thing in there where it talks about the grace of God that I want to talk about just before I close. The mystery has been revealed, friends. The apostles' task was to reveal the mystery of God unto the church, unto the world, so that no one could say or hold captive people by saying, I know something you don't about God. God has made that impossible to be true. That doesn't mean that if you don't care to learn it, somebody won't know more than you. But if you care to learn it from the only source there is, God's Word, then you can refute that sort of thing. There are, there are no mysteries. There is no clergy. There is no higher authority in the church than the Lord himself. But on the idea of grace of God, I've heard all my life, well, until the last maybe 20 years, you start studying the actual language, that grace is the unmerited favor uh, towards man from God. In other words, 
We, being the worms and the lowly creatures that we are, deserve nothing, 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 but God's going to help us. That's what the world says grace is. But that's not what God says it is. The grace of God is God's goodwill given in kindness graciously to man. God's goodwill. What's his goodwill? Well, goodwill is salvation. A way to be reconciled back to him. Free from our sins. There are requirements in our participation in God's goodwill. It's not forced on us. It cannot be, we can't be smothered by it by an outside source. That doesn't exist in, in the real world. And, those, and that, uh, that requirement is the terms of pardon. We're out of time. But I hope I've got that, that message, that message across uh, in way of uh, dealing with the, the so-called mystery. Um, there are no mysteries about God that can't be found by us through his word. Now, are, they, are there things that we don't understand about God? Of course there are. I'm not saying that. We don't understand how he can make something from nothing. I have a hard time making something from something. It's difficult. It's expensive, and sometimes it doesn't work out. I don't understand those things. But I know one thing. God gave me his word that I might know him and find a way to be reconciled back to him through the gospel, through his son Jesus Christ, through the blood of atonement, I have to follow those terms of pardon. And, and those terms of pardon are very clear. We need to believe there is a God. We need to believe that he sent his son to die for our sins. We need to repent of our former way of life and disbelief. We need to confess that fact before others with our own voice to the ears of other people. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is my Savior. We need to be baptized by being immersed in water and that's where the blood is applied and our sins are forgiven. It's not water regeneration. It's obedience to the gospel. It's obedience to the gospel message, the good news. That's God's grace. Everything good for us is the grace of God, the goodwill of God, given in a kindly, gracious manner. God wouldn't have to be kind, but ours is. And so I give that as the invitation today. Um, We'll have our invitation song. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.